You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A hell of a first weekend in the NCAA tournament. We're going to cover as much as possible today. It's probably going to take us two days to go over everything in regards to just your brackets versus the gambling aspect of some of the things we saw this past weekend. And I've got a new whipping boy in college basketball. You know if you've listened to this for the last two months, it's been Tennessee. Well, we've got a new one that's replaced them after what happened this past weekend, and we will get to that momentarily. Now, to get started, I don't want to say this past weekend was great as usual. It's just, I've said it a thousand times, being in Vegas for those first two days and watching 16 games each day is something, if you're a true sports fan, and especially if you like to you know, wager here and there. You don't have to be a huge gambler, but you like to put wagers on games. It's something you got to do. Put it on your bucket list. Because with 16 games each day, you're going to have games that ultimately come down to the final play. Some late fouling, as in the San Diego State College of Charleston game on Thursday, or a late bucket that means nothing in the overall grand scheme of things for the winner, but with point spreads involved and totals involved. It definitely means something. We had quite a few of them this weekend. I was there in Vegas Thursday, Friday, left Saturday morning. But um, the two days I was there, I don't want to say that this tournament this season has been a little bit of an anomaly, but it kind of has. And and I'll explain that this way. Yes, we had some upsets. And I don't have the numbers for every upset in the first two rounds. But, you know, Friday, there were only four higher-seeded teams that won on Friday or Thursday. Furman beat Virginia. Princeton beating Arizona as a 15 over a 2. Furman was a 13 over a 4. Fairleigh Dickinson, we know, 16 over 1. And then Auburn beat Whoever they beat. Uh, Iowa. That was it. So while the 15, uh, uh, 13, 15, and 16 did win, you know, there was no 11s that won. Well, all, well they couldn't have won on Thursday because all the 11-6 games were on Friday. But you only had four teams that were highest seeded that won on the opening day, which didn't seem like a lot. And Furman was the second tip-off of Thursday. So it happened so early on. After that, there were only two other games where the higher-seeded team won, or three other games where the higher-seeded team won, and one of them was a 9 over an 8, which happens all the time. So Furman, Princeton, FDU were obviously the biggest upsets on Thursday. But the fact that only four happened, I was like, wow. And it didn't help a guy like me who loves betting dogs in the tournament. Because a lot of the games that I bet, they didn't cover. I won that Furman bet, and I won San Diego State. I was off to a great start. I was 2-0 and and up a lot of money. And I'm not going to BS you and say, oh, I went to Vegas, and I didn't do well. I didn't lose as much as I should have because all those games that I bet outside of Iona, as, you say, as I said in my column and as I tell you here, I have them all in eight-point teases in every single game that I gave you. The two main plays, which went one and one, both covered an eight-point tease, and the four other games went one and three, 
but three and one covering an eight point tease. The only one that didn't was Iona, who happened to be leading UConn at half and then just got blitzed in the second half and didn't cover. They lost by twenty three or twenty five, and you know them getting uh, you know eight points added on to there didn't matter. So no, I I didn't have I didn't have a great my brackets. I wouldn't say are blown up, but they're not great because I picked too many upsets. And honestly, just, there just wasn't a lot of upsets this this tournament so far. You say, Steve, how can that happen? It's just look at the numbers. Four happened on Friday. And then what did I tell you on, or on Thursday? And then what did I tell you on Friday morning's Sports Daily? I said, man, we just did not have a lot of upsets yesterday. I'm really expecting more higher-seeded uh, teams to cover today and win today. And only three <laughs> happened on Friday. That's not a lot. Pitt beat Iowa State an 11 over a 6, which we know is the biggest upset that happens in the tournament. But only one 11 seed beat a 6 seed. Penn State beat A&M 10 over a 7. That's now happened 25 of 26 years. But only one 10 beat a 7. And then FAU beat Memphis a 9 over an 8, which happens all the time. Just wasn't a lot of upsets. Higher seeded teams only won seven of the first thirty-two games. I don't know what the record is, but that's got to be a record for lowest amount over thirty-two the first thirty-two games that only seven higher seeded teams won, and two of them were nines over eights. So you take those out, which aren't really true upsets. That's only five out of thirty. I don't know. Maybe someone's got records of this, but. I got to believe that's one of the lowest amount of, meaning fewest amount of upsets in terms of seedings. Now, the biggest gambling story over the first weekend was over-unders. I don't know if you know this, but on day two, on Friday, of the 16 games, 14 of them went under. And then on Saturday, those eight games, six of the eight went under. So Friday and Saturday, 24 basketball games were played and 20 of them went under the total. Only four went over. That's way... That's deviating from the norm. And if you take those numbers and pull them out over the four days, 48 games, 16 went over, 32 went under. So the under hit 66% of the time in the tournament, This uh, in the first four days of the tournament. That's... I mean, you know, to break even, you have to win 52.5%. That's just to break even. Win 52.5% of your bets. That's a 66% thing. And I think it's possible you can attribute it, this to the fact that they play with this new ball in the tournament. I don't know if you know this, but Wilson has this exclusive leather ball. They started it last year, and it's only played once the NCAA tournament game comes around. It's bright orange. I don't know if you noticed, but the ball looks very bright on screen. And it's a ball they only use for the NCAA tournament. And it started last year. Teams have the ability to choose their own ball when they're home during the regular season. But most of them have apparel deals where they have to play with a ball that is by someone that's not Wilson because they're mostly Nike and Adidas schools. But then you get to the tournament, you have to play with a completely different ball. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, it does business-wise for the NCAA. But that's got to play a factor in determining why 20 of 24 games went under the total between 
Friday and Saturday. And on day one of those 16 games, six went over and 10 went under. So the first three days of the tournament, you had 10 overs and 30 unders. Sorry. Uh, 24, 30, yeah. 6, 2, 2. Yeah. Wait, I'm, mix, I'm mixing uh, 16 games on Monday. Uh, 16 days games on Thursday. 6 overs, 10 unders. 16 games on Friday. 2 overs, 14 unders. Day 3, Saturday, 8 games, 2 overs, 6 unders. So, yeah. 16 and 16 is 32, and 8 is, four, and eight is 40. That's right. 10 overs and 30 unders through the first three days of the tournament yesterday it turned around there were six overs and two unders that's why you got to 60 you know that that's why um 16 of 32 uh, 16 of 48 games went over for the first four days and that's with a day yesterday of of six going over and two only two going under because vegas had to adjust and I, I, I'm going to keep it in mind for next year. I didn't bet one. I bet one total all weekend. I did win it, but when I saw those numbers, I should have been betting these more, because not only were these games going under, they were going under by 18 to 20, 25 points sometimes. Like it, it wasn't even close. And you got to attribute it to you know a lot of teams first time there, playing in a new arena, playing with a new ball. There's got to be something to that, because this only started last year. And you shoot with a certain ball all year long, and then you get to the tournament and you have to play with a new one? That doesn't make any sense. And I guess if you're going to have some sort of reasoning as to why 20 of 24 games went under the posted total on Friday and Saturday, you can attribute it to that. Just bad shooting because they're not used to this ball. Now, you know damn well that um, for the last couple months I've been saying Tennessee basketball just flops in the tournament. And nothing I said was wrong. It was all factually correct. I was just reading you what happens to them when they get to the tournament. And they got by Louisiana Lafayette on Thursday. They won by three. Didn't look impressive whatsoever. And then they beat Duke by double digits. So explain that. (laughs) You can't really explain it because – they didn't look good against Lafayette. Admit that. Louisiana. But the thing is, the thing with Tennessee has been they've lost to a lower seed the last four tournaments they've been in than them. Duke was a five seed. Tennessee was a four. So technically, they should have beaten them, and that stat doesn't pertain to Saturday's game. Now, they play FAU next, who's a nine seed, and that's where this would come into play. Because, look, great win versus Duke. But if you lose to FAU... I'm still laughing because you are staying true to who you are, losing to a lower-seeded team. I'm sorry, Tennessee fans. You can't tell me that if you lose to FAU, well, we beat Duke. Nobody cares. (laughs) If you lose to FAU, nobody's going to care you beat Duke. You should not lose to FAU. You better not lose to FAU. Now, but congratulations to them. They, they They played a great game against Duke, and... Duke, I, the whole time I was watching the game, I didn't really feel like Tennessee was going to lose either. Like once they got, I was just like, Duke is, Tennessee is taking Duke out of everything they want to do. And if you want to really, you know, you, you know, you probably think I hate Tennessee or whatever, but before that game started, 
I mentioned it on Friday's podcast. I said, man, the line's already out for Duke and Tennessee, and Duke is only a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And I, But then I, after I released that podcast, I was like, you know what? The more I thought about it, the more I was like, this is a trap line because everybody and their mother is going to bet Duke. And by tip-off, it was up to Duke minus four. And when that happened, I had Tennessee on Saturday, in case you wanted to know. I did end up betting them. So don't tell me I'm, you know, always against Tennessee and always think they're going to lose. The line screamed, public is going to jump on Duke on this game, which meant go the other way. And I did. And I never thought at any point they were going to lose that game. Duke just didn't look right. And Tennessee took them out of everything they wanted to do. And now you've got FAU with a chance to go to the Elite Eight. And in the Elite Eight, you are going to face either a three seed or a seven seed. It's not like you've got some juggernaut. Tennessee's got a really good shot to be in the Final Four. Hell, those bra- that, that side of the bracket, I mean, the East is probably the most messed up bracket because you've got a three, four, a seven, and a nine as your four seeds remaining. Every other bracket, I don't want to say stayed to form because it didn't, but that's the one that doesn't have a one. That's the only bracket that doesn't have a one or a two in it. So it's the most messed up of the three of the four regions. But yeah, Tennessee, you beat FAU. You're in the elite eight and playing Kansas state or Michigan state with a chance to go to the final four. You should be the favorite to go to the final four. You should win this Eastern region. But anything can happen in a one-game series. We know this. But let's get back to the new whipping boy of college basketball. You're probably going to hear it now. You're going to hear it beginning of next conference uh, tournament season. And you're going to hear all like is what happened with Purdue. Not only did they only become the second team ever to lose to a number one seed, the way it happened was flat-out embarrassing. And look, Matt Painter has been at Purdue for 17 years. He's not getting fired over this loss. However, I think he needs to start showing something in the postseason now because his teams have now failed three years in a row. Because for three years in a row, in case you didn't know this, Matt Painter has now joined Lute Olson and Tony Bennett. Lute Olson, former coach of Arizona. Tony Bennett, as we know, current coach of Virginia as the only coaches to lose three times to a team seated 13th or lower. So Arizona and Virginia, in their program history, have lost now three times at least to a 13th seed or lower. Painter joined that group this weekend, and what makes it worse is it's now happened three years in a row. The last three years he's lost to a 13th seed or worse. Loses as a number one seed only the second time in the history of the tournament to Fairleigh Dickinson. Last year, you remember who they lost to? They lost to St. Peter's. St. Peter's was a 15 seed. And the year before that, they lost to a 13 seed in round one when North Texas beat them. Three years in a row? Not good. And here's the other thing. That's just the seeding part of it. If anybody watched that game, you had to have been scratching your head being like, what is Matt Painter doing? Is he coaching them? What is he telling them during timeouts? Fairly Dickinson 
was an underdog in the play-in game to a team that finished eighth in their conference. Fairleigh Dickinson made the NCAA tournament on a technicality, something we talked about because in that conference they were in, forget the name of it, remember Merrimack was the one that had the best regular season record, but yet they still play in the conference tournament. They beat Fairleigh Dickinson in the finals of that conference tournament, but they can't go to the NCAA tournament because you have to, once you move up to Division One, you can't make the NCAA tournament for four years. Remember I was saying that's just a ridiculous, a ridiculous rule. And if you're good enough in the first four years, you should be able to make it in. Well, Fairleigh Dickinson wouldn't have been in normally. And yet they get to the play-in game. They're an underdog to Texas Southern, who was 12-20. and 20. And then they play Purdue in the first round. And Purdue won the Big Ten by four games, rolled through the conference tournament. And then the kicker of it all is Fairleigh Dickinson is the smallest team in college basketball. Man for man. Player one through player 15, they are the smallest team height-wise, average height in college basketball. Purdue has the National Player of the Year in Zach Eady, who's seven foot four. And do you know how many shots Zach Eady took in the second half of that game? One. A seven foot four center playing against the smallest team in college basketball this year took one shot in the second half of a game where they were the one seed playing a 16 seed. Yes, I understand that Fairleigh Dickinson gimmicked their whole defense up and was putting a guy in front of him and a guy behind him on every play. And yes, when Zach Eady did touch the ball, he was being harassed by another third player. And he was throwing it out to the players who were wide open and they just couldn't make a shot. Look, I told you before they were going to be the first. I That was one of the things I was right about was I told you Purdue wasn't winning it this year. Did I think they were going to eliminate it by in the first round by a 16 seed? No. But in every single one of my brackets, I didn't have them making the Sweet 16. I had them losing the next game anyway. I had it to Memphis, but it doesn't matter. They weren't going past the, sweets, they weren't going past the first weekend of me. I thought they were going to be the first number one seed out, and they weren't making the Sweet 16. And – by golly, they did it. And that's three years in a row now with major, major choke jobs in the tournament. How do you have a seven foot four center take one shot in the second half? And here's the best one. From the 641 mark in the second half up until the 55 second mark, six minutes of play towards the end of the game, Purdue never even attempted a two point shot. Everything was a three for six minutes against Fairleigh Dickinson. Now, look, you make shots, you're going to win games. And it's a, I know it seems simple, but it's not like any of these shots were contested. Did you see the highlights? Zachary played the way he was supposed to. He did what he had to do. And I, I guess you could have said, look, Zach, you got to force them in there. They can't guard you. You're 7-4. But he was doing what a good teammate does, and he passed it to the open guys. And all of them just threw up brick after brick after brick. It was embarrassing. So, okay, Zach, you're not going to take a three-pointer. You know, you're, Zach, you're not going to take a – you're going to take one shot in the second half. 
But as the game was getting close and in the last six minutes, your whole team doesn't even attempt anything inside the three-point range from the 641 mark to the 55-second mark of the second half. I'm sorry, that is all on coaching. Because if I'm the coach during any of the timeouts during that time, when you're in a huddle, you say, guys, stop taking threes. Stop it. You throw it into Zach. If he gets it back out to you, drive. We're not hitting threes. Yet, they just kept shooting threes. Just, I, I, I cannot believe what I was watching in that game. That was, uh, that was unreal. Matt Painter did a horrible coaching job for the second year in a row against a bad, I don't say a bad team. I'm not, I'm going to give credit to St. Peter's last year. They were on a good run. Give credit to Fairleigh Dickinson. They won the game. But I'm sorry. You are a number one seed. You don't lose to a 16 seed when you have the player of the year on your team and he's a foot taller than anyone on the other team. <laughs> That's horrible coaching. Horrible. Three years in a row now, you have lost to a 13 seed or worse. Twice were first-round exits. Last year against St. Peter's in the Sweet 16. That's not good last time I checked. It really isn't. You know who else might want to go possibly looking for new employment, even though they're probably not going to fire him because this is a school that's loyal to their coaches no matter what they've done, which is nothing but giving them nothing but mediocrity, is Iowa. Iowa lost to Auburn. Is anyone really surprised by that? No. We all know how loyal Iowa football is to Kirk Ferentz, who's done absolutely nothing there. Okay, I don't want to say absolutely nothing. He's had some 10-win seasons, but come on. They're never in the discussion for to being a national championship. Uh, you know, To win the Big Ten championship happens on occasion for them, but for as long as he's been there, how putrid that offense is. They're pathetic every year on offense. They can't do anything. Can't move the ball, and Iowa sticks by him. Do you know that Fran McCaffrey has been at Iowa for 13 years and has four NCAA tournament wins, and he's never made the Sweet 16? 13 years at a Big Ten school, and you can't make the Sweet 16, which just means win two games in the tournament? Guys won four total tournament games in 13 years and never made the Sweet 16. I, but... Iowa's loyal, and I guarantee they bring him back. So keep that in mind for next year if Iowa makes the tournament. Keep Matt Painter's record in mind when Purdue inevitably makes the tournament next year. These are stuff you have to bet at. You have to bet against these guys. Could they, you know, will they turn it around at some point? Yeah. I mean, Tennessee did, but like I said, Tennessee's win over Duke did not fit their their description of what they've done in the past, which is failed versus Double-digit seeds. They beat Louisiana, barely. But then they played a five seed. And Tennessee's a four. So they didn't lose to a lower seed. Now they've got FAU. If they lose to FAU, we're back to laughing at Tennessee because yet again, they will have lost to a lower-seeded team. But Matt Painter, man, that was the biggest point spread upset in NCAA tournament history. They were 23.5-point favorites, and at no point was Purdue even close to covering 23.5 points. Matt Painter is now 9-5 and five versus double-digit seeds when he's a top-five seed. That's five times he's lost to a double-digit seed now in 17 years. 
it's not good. I mean, 17 years as the coach, 14 years he's made the tournament. Nine and five versus double-digit seeds. It's not a good record. Just a couple notes to end this on. We are headed to the Sweet 16. We'll go over some of the Sweet 16 matchups. I still got some stuff to go over from this past weekend. We'll get to in tomorrow's podcast, but two number ones already out, Purdue and Kansas. And you might be like, you know, Kansas, that line was, again, Kansas number one seed, defending national champion. In round two against an eight seed, they were a three-and-a-half point favorite against Arkansas. And you're like, whoa, that is a low line, three-and-a-half points. Well, them being a three-and-a-half point favorite over Arkansas on Saturday is the shortest line for a one seed in the second round since 1996. And Purdue, at the time, Matt Painter wasn't coaching then, but Purdue was a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Georgia in 96 as a one seed and lost. And there's only been six one seeds favored by four points or fewer in the second round, and only two of them even won the game. So when that line was sitting there at three-and-a-half, and I'm like, why is a one seed only favored by three-and-a-half over an eight seed? But what did I tell you last week when we were going over the brackets and I had Arkansas winning the first-round game against Illinois? I'm like, man, Eric Musselman's teams play well in tournaments. They always have. When he coached at Nevada and now Arkansas, and he did it again. This is the second year in a row he's knocked off the number one seed. Last year, Arkansas beat Gonzaga and the Sweet 16. And he did it again. And I had Arkansas. I took that three and a half when I saw that line. I'm like, again, a line that doesn't make sense. Now, I lost it back when Auburn just choked the bed. Well, I shouldn't say choked the bed. They shit the bed against Houston. You're up 10 at half and you lose by 17? (laughs) Yeah, they shit the bed. So that was a loss that I had this weekend. That really killed me because they didn't even cover the tees. That hurt. But, yeah, we don't have – we have two number ones out. But that Kansas line, again, another thing – I guess something to point out that I was right about. I said, look, when you're filling out your brackets, you've got to go with history. Kansas isn't winning back-to-back NCAA titles. They're just not. It's too hard. Did I think they'd be out in the first weekend? No, but I did say that Eric Musselman's teams do well in the tournament and to watch out for them. And they pulled it off again. But I hope a lot of you didn't have Kansas winning your bracket pool because that wasn't going to happen even if they got by Arkansas. So... A lot more to talk about in tomorrow's podcast, but just wanted to get you those numbers through the first, uh, what, um, how many games have been played? <laughs> I already forgot. Uh, 48. 48 games have been played, and then we've got our Sweet 16 games. This upcoming week, we're going to get to those as well. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple Podcasts. Much appreciated. We've got to get as many people on this podcast as we can, especially some really good college basketball talk for you, some news and notes. I hope it helped you in some way, either gambling or your bracket pools. And uh, we'll look at some Sweet 16 numbers coming up this week as well. So thanks to you all for listening. Appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.